Thank you, Lord. Holy are you, O Lord God. Holy are you, O Lord. Holy are you, O God. Mm. Lord, we just breathe you in right now, Lord. We just breathe. Lord, just fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit right now. I just feel the Lord doing that right now in the room. The fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Just open wide. Open wide and receive. Oh. Oh. The fresh portion. Fire God falling right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Glory to you in the highest. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Have your way in this room this very minute, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way in this room this very minute, Lord. Do what you want to do here, Lord God. You have permission here, Lord, in these hearts, in these minds, oh God. Bring your glory. Let your glory rest on your people now. Lord, take weariness off of your people. Take the weariness. Take it off. Take it off. Take it off. Commission of Satan yes. off of us, Lord. Yes. Break the commission of Satan yes. off every one of your no. dear children this morning, Father. No. Every one of your dear children, Lord, who calling Lord. out in your name, Lord. Thank you for the blood, Lord. Yes. Thank you. We are of your bloodline this morning. Amen. Lord, because we are of your bloodline, Lord, yes. we can be free from everything the enemy has to offer. Freedom. Every lie, every deception. Freedom. Lord, I Freedom. pray for every person in this room this Freedom. morning, any place that we're harboring lies in our hearts, oh. that you would reveal it yes. to us, Lord. Oh. You would oh. reveal it and break oh. it. Break it, Lord. Yes. Set your people free today, yes. Father. Oh. Freedom.
like the Lord just saying right now, He really is creating us a holy habitation. As we just present ourselves to Him and open our hearts up for Him, the holy habitation, because He's holy. You know, I just encourage you to open those hearts, those doors up. We tend to want to close doors off. You know, and He's right now, He's knocking at those doors. He said, if you'll just open that door, I'll come in and make my a holy habitation. I'll dwell with you and stay with you forever. Not just for a day, not just for an hour, but forever. Thank you, Lord. Um, I was laying on the floor. Well, actually, I was standing up. But um, and I felt like like my my knees buckled under me, like somebody was trying to pull something bad at my body. And um, then I looked out the window. I saw golden stars. They were falling. And um, I feel like the if God, if you pray to Jesus, um, He's definitely going to pull any hate or any or any lies or anything bad out of you because He is just great, and there's no doubt about that. That just uh, leads right into it. Y'all just keep playing the testimony. But last Sunday in here, um, <clears throat> the Lord began to move with the children. I began praying for them. Um, I just prayed for one and then kept going to the next. And the Lord really began moving on these children. And it was, it was amazing. And even when the preaching started, I just sensed that we weren't done. So we moved the children out into the hallway and the power of God just kept coming. It was just awesome. And <clears throat> I felt like I got finished and came back in, but I don't know if y'all heard last week, Byron's office got invaded by the children, and they were just really getting hit by the Lord. The Lord is moving in our children. And that is just a testimony of it right there. And we need to see what God is doing. He is really, I'll tell you, the move of God is for our children for our children if God can birth something and get a hold of them now they will be altered forever with the glory of God and that is why we love the river so much because we see the Lord touching our children and I wanted Tony to give the testimony about there was a man visiting here last week but I wanted Tony to tell that story yeah, uh, Randy Thompson he's with Kids of Blaze Ministries and he pretty much ministers to kids all over the world and his thing is to really get the kids moving in the Holy Spirit and the gifts. And, and he's seen a lot of moves of the Spirit on kids. And, and he, was, he came here to get a healing. He heard the kids were praying. And he came here, he had a kidney problem. He came to get a healing. And, and basically, he came over here to get prayed for. And all the kids that wanted to pray for him were in there screaming. It was, a freight, it was like a Holy Spirit freight train in there. I said, Randy, you got to come over this way. And I brought him over there. And he went in there, and, and, and he just really got ministered to. And the, and the kids were just... They were just going after it. I mean, they had so much faith in that room. It was amazing. And when it was all done, he was sharing with the kids how you know, he's been in this ministry for, for nine years. And nine years ago, he got prayed by a group of kids as powerful like that. But it's been nine years since he's experienced that. And he's been with kids for all this time, all over the world, and has not experienced that kind of prayer since nine years ago. And then he said that, that nine years ago when he got prayed by those kids, that sustained his ministry until now, that one time of prayer. And he was really blessed by the kids in this church praying for him. It's going to sustain him for another 10, 20 years probably. So we just encourage you to keep going after the river of God. 
And you need to know this. As we go on and time goes on, we need to keep pressing in. I mean, that doesn't mean we strive. It just means we continue to get into the river. We continue letting the river have its way, the Spirit of God flowing in these people. And I'm going to remind you that the, that the Spirit offends the mind. Things that the Spirit does will offend your mind. You need to keep that before you. Because if you don't, you'll get out because you just can't ever grasp with your mind. You really can't. And we, the only way we connect with God is through our spirit. It's holy. He is a spirit. That's how we connect. And you, this thing of being offended and being a standoffish from what God's doing is so important what He's doing in the children, what He's doing in these people. I just wanted to remind you of that. You've got to get your mind out of the way because this is a powerful thing that the Lord's doing here. So, amen. So, I wanted to tell you about it. Today is a, a special day in our nation's history. Um... And if you are a foreigner in here this morning, you are here in the United States for a reason. God's got you here. And uh, what happened is what is happening in our country today is, is also your responsibility, uh, just, just like it's our responsibility. So I know we have a few foreigners in here, but this country is your country also now, and you, you've got to take responsibility for this country. Uh, but the, uh, I want to read this email. Uh, it's about our, uh, this anniversary. Today marks the 400th anniversary of the first English landing in the United States. This is Don Casperson sent me this. When the party landed, it would have been expected that they would claim the land for, for king and country, meaning the British king and country. Robert Hunt, the Anglican minister who was supposedly the chaplain on the boats, <laughs> he stayed sick the whole way over. I was reading about him with a party, claimed the land for the glory of Jesus Christ, probably never supposing the far-reaching effect of that dedication. In other words, when these people got here, they laid claim, dedicated our nation to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this land was dedicated for. Uh, and Don goes on and says, Although the pilgrims came to the New World escaping religious persecution... They saw themselves as establishing a base from which the gospel could be sent to reach all the world. They saw themselves as establishing a base, a base of operating where the gospel could be sent to the whole world from here. That's the purpose and calling of this nation. Um, and Don says, Fascinating how God turns dedication into fulfilled prophecies. We, as their heirs, ought not only to rejoice, but consider that we have been handed a sacred trust. Now, that's really what we need to understand this morning. We've been handed a sacred trust. God has given us something, a trust. And we're living in this time. This is our hour. And He's entrusted this nation to us, the believers in this nation. We, we have responsibility for this nation. We've been entrusted with this thing. And the way this nation goes... A lot of it has to do with us as the believers. No matter what has happened before us, no matter how much if the church has failed the nation or, or if it's done the nation right, we have this trust today. We have a responsibility today. Uh, he said, uh, isn't it, We as heirs ought not only to rejoice, but consider that we have been handed the sacred trust. We also ought to see how the enemy is trying to destroy 
the fruit of these dedications and how the enemy's trying to destroy the fruit of these dedications. And we can really, uh, in the paper this morning, and uh, there was an article in one of the sections, and it says, the, the title of the article is about this. It says, Where Our Nation Really Took Shape. Where our nation really took shape. Now, so what we had to see is that's really what has shaped our nation. This purpose, this gospel purpose, that this nation was dedicated to Jesus Christ. And now it has been, and now the enemy is trying to destroy our nation. Uh, let me read Psalm 11, verse 3. Trying to destroy, and the way he's trying to destroy, he's trying to destroy the very, very foundations of our nation. Psalm 11, 3, it says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Nothing. If we have no foundation. And so the enemy is going after the foundation of our nation. You know, we've lost things in our nation. You know, we've lost things. And we're losing and losing. And our nation is going bad. Yet God, has a, God is not finished with our nation. God still has a purpose for us. The gospel is not preached to every person in this world yet. And when that's done, then as a nation, we may be done. You know, we really may be, but that's not done yet. So we have this sacred trust. That was a, that's a great word. Uh, I wanted to read Psalm 2 this morning to you, because uh, even though the enemy has a plan for us, God has a greater plan. And I just love, uh, I want to remind many of you, I sent you an email, many of you know about the tragedy that happened in Turkey, where the three people were martyred, uh, uh, hideously tortured, and 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 killed, uh, a guy, a man from Germ- a missionary from Germany, and two men who were ex-Muslims, and one of them was the pastor of the church, and they were all martyred over there recently by Islamic extremists. And we can see how in the world, these, you know, there's an enemy rising up. It's always been there, but we're seeing an enemy that really is a threat to us. I mean, they, that that meant, that spirit is a physical threat to you and I, and it's, it is it's like the the ex. I read where the ex. FBI or CIA chief man who no longer is, he said this point. This is what he said this week. Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda, whatever you say it, is in America. Period. They're here. Period. They're not here for our good, obviously. They're here for our downfall. So we really need to begin to wake up and see. Now, we're not, you know, we're not soldiers. We're not policemen. That's not what we are. We're Christians. We're believers. We, we have a different front. But we're the ones who can determine what's going to happen to our nation. Okay? And so what, really what God is trying to do, I believe, in this hour is wake the church up to let us know, listen, you're in danger. You are in danger. You, you, you're, you're in danger of losing your nation. Okay? God may have to judge our nation because our nation is wicked. And God would come and judge us in the sense of, of destroying the wickedness. And, and, and God would, if He had to, I believe, I believe he, would, he would level our nation and rebuild it again. Okay? But I don't believe that's what He wants to do. I had a dream this past week that was real disturbing to me. In the dream, I was in a shopping mall. I was on an escalator. You know how all malls have these escalators. I know you've all been on them. Suddenly, the place began to shake. And all the merchandise began to fall. And... It was all falling down, and I t- turned around and looked, and I saw a light. And I knew if I could just get out that door, I'd be okay. And I ran and made it out the door. I was safe. As I stepped outside, I stepped on a person who was, had been wounded and hurt. 
And I knew the Lord was saying that He would do that. He would come and shake the very economic structure of this, you know, because a mall is the economy, the marketplace of America in a sense. He would shake all that if He had to. And He would, you know, help us to escape with our lives. He would help us to escape with our lives. But God is not above doing that because God hates, he hates unrighteousness. He hates wickedness. And God wants to, he wants to fulfill his plan for our nation. He wants us to fulfill his plan for you and I. So, but the Lord, this is what the Lord's saying. And I tell you, this is what we can bank on this for the enemies of the gospel. And it says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Now, really, in a sense, that is being said about us, okay? And about the purpose of our nation. I'm not talking about our nation as a secular nation. I'm talking about our nation spiritually and what we're supposed to do. Uh, but this is what the Lord says. He who sits in heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Uh, I just want to mention one thing to you about the Lord laughing. The Lord does have a sense of humor. Okay? He likes to laugh. Laughing is a good thing. That's why it says somewhere else in the Bible that the laughter is, a, is like a medicine to a person. We need to learn how to laugh. And I'll tell you one thing that God likes to laugh is when people are being delivered and healed. Have you ever, has anybody had that experience, been praying for somebody and you start laughing? That's a wonderful, and you know what it is? It's the Holy Spirit laughing in you. Laughing because God's doing what He does. Because God likes to laugh at the enemy. Like, huh, you thought you were going to get them, huh? I'll show you. He laughs at them. Uh, then He shall speak to them in His wrath and distress them in His deep pleasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You're my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the end of the earth for your possession. So the Lord is, is, is calling us to that. The Lord's called us to that right there. Turn that back. Go back to that. Ask of me. He'll get back there. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. God really does have a call on us for the nations. He really does. He has a call on us for our nation. It is in us. I believe when you start connecting with the Holy Spirit, guess what you're going to see? You're going to see the globe. I'm serious. That's why I said, Lord, I keep seeing this globe. What's the globe, Lord? The globe's the world. God's concerned about the whole world. He's concerned about this world, our world. He's concerned about our nation. He's concerned about nations. And God really has a desire to put in us to, to go to the nations, to go to our nation. He really does want to do that. That's really what he's trying to do right now. Believe it or not, he really is, he is really doing it. And we're not talking about just some light thing. We're talking about a serious thing here. And if we can go, we can, if we can go in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can make a difference in nations. The ends of the earth for your possession. Okay, let's go now. We got a new trainee back there. He's doing great. Let's give him a hand. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, now, therefore... Now, this is what the Lord's saying to us. We've got to get this. Therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Now, that's, that's what He's saying to us. Serve the Lord with fear and, and rejoice with trembling. God really is, is calling us into decision. He's calling us into serving Him. 
serving Him with, with fear and trembling before Him. It's, it's a call. That's what God's doing right now. When we talk about the river, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's coming and He's saying, listen, serve me. Make a decision in your heart. You can't get in the river. You can't be around it long. You're going to be confronted. He will confront you. And He's confronting you to tell you, where do you stand? Are you going to serve me or not? You can serve yourself, but that will not be really good. Then He says, kiss the Son, lest He be angry. And that kisses and that speaks of worship. Rhonda said it earlier this morning. We were made to be in worship. We were created to be in worship. And God wants us to kiss Him. Just kiss Him. I told you that time about that vision I had. I was, I was in, the, in the river, and I saw the Lord standing in the river, and he, I, he wanted me to kiss His feet. I knew He did. And I went down to kiss Him, and His feet were ugly. His legs were pale and frail-looking. That's what I thought, Good, I'm not kissing these feet. <laughs> these can't be the feet of Jesus. <laughs> he's so pale. He's a Jewish man. He should have rich olive skin and beautiful feet. His feet were ugly that day. And he was telling me, you kiss my ugly feet, you'll get to kiss my feet of bronze and fire. And that's really what he wants us to do. Kiss the sun. And many times, the kissing is down there low. <laughs> and kiss them ugly feet. Come on, white. Fat, his feet sort of look like mine. I got ugly feet. They're white, you know. I got these white feet. Yeah, I wouldn't kiss my feet. <laughs> but you know, the Lord wants us to kiss his feet. And I believe today, if, if you are willing to humble yourself today, listen to me, everybody. Listen to me. If you can't listen to anything else I say to you, listen to me. If you're willing to kiss his ugly feet, his frail-looking feet today, there'll come a day when you'll have your, your mouth on the fiery feet. Now, that's really the way it works with God. You have to humble yourself. You have to, you have to go with the not-so-good-looking thing, not-so-popular thing. Not so pretty thing, but one, there comes a day when those bronze feet start walking. Everybody's going to kiss those feet. You know, we'll be lining up to kiss them. Anyways, he says, do this unless, you, unless he gets angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. See, it doesn't take much of God. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. That's really what we have to do in America. We've got to trust him. We can't trust America. <laughs> we can't trust our economy. So that's really what the Lord, He wants us to get this, to get this message uh, that we have a calling on our life. Our nation has a calling. And by virtue of you being in this nation, born here or moved here, you are a partaker in it. And you have responsibility today for our nation. You have responsibility because you're a believer. And if the nation goes bad, the church is really the one that's going to be held accountable first, you know, because God, it says that he judges the, his judgment begins with the household of God and then the unbelievers because he comes to us first and says, why did you let it happen? You know, and then he deals with it. But I wanted to read Psalm 45. Are y'all good this morning? This is, a make, this is a sort of make it up as a go message here. Okay. Uh, my heart is a f overflowing with a good thing. Now, I want to see what I want to help us with. Is I wanna, this is what I want to help us. God wants to put stuff in us that's good, that's overflowing. Okay, that's... So, I'm, I'm talking about... I hope you get a vision. You're getting a vision that God has this concern for us as a nation. And then you say, well, what can I do, you know? And I'm, that's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you what you can do this morning about us, what you need to do, what I need to do. 
He wants to put this, uh, overflow you with this good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty. And in your majesty, ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. Truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The people fall unto you. So the Lord is preparing this army. That's what he's doing. He is creating an army. He's building an army that's going to ride forth with him. When he said, gird your sword upon your side, you know who that sword is? Now, the Bible says that out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, you know, it says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. There's this part of God that he's created for us to be his spokesman in this earth. You need to see yourself this morning as that sword tied to his thigh. And it says he's going to ride forth with you and I, belted to his side. Now, that's his army. And he wants to pull that sword out. That means he wants to pull you and me out of our sheath, out of the place that we've set in, the place that we were put in when we're not being used. And he wants to pull us out. I mean, the Lord wants to pull us out and start using us. Every one of you in this room, God wants to use you. He wants to put you, He wants to grab a hold of you and take you and do stuff with you. You know, really, the church is not good. I'll tell you this, this is not good for the church just to just to keep being in the church. It's not healthy. It's really not healthy. It's bad for a pastor to say that, but it's, it's the truth, though. God's called us to go out of the church. It really is. He's called us to go out of the church. It's a sad church that all people do is come to church. It's a sad church. We're living in dangerous times if that's all we're doing. See, that's really what's kind of what's happening to us in America. It's we've made the church something, you know, to make, you know, that we come to, you know, to suit our needs, you know, instead of we're an army. We're not about needs. We're about this war that we're in. We're about saving the world. We're about fulfilling our destiny and our purpose and commission that God's given us. That's really what God's looking for this morning. Anyways, um, let me read Psalm 45, verse 1, again, in the Message Bible. And it says, the first part says, A wedding song of the sons of Korah. That's not part of the Scripture. But actually, this Psalm 45 is a wedding song, believe it or not. There's a lot of stuff in Psalm 45. Anyways, let me just tell you about this experience I had recently. What I want to tell you, this is an experience for us. I had this experience recently where... I was at home, and I was somewhat distressed about my life and things going on that I couldn't seem to get worked out. Anybody have that problem? (laughs) Somewhat distressed about your life and things that you can't seem to work out? Well, I think, you know, I said, you know what I need to do is I need to soak. I need to just get still before the Lord and soak in His presence. So I, I did that. I laid down on the floor. I turned some worship music on, and immediately I saw this river bust through my house. Okay, I saw this river begin to flow into my house. God was saying, first of all, is you can get in the river at your home. In fact, you should be getting in the river at home because there's a personal aspect 
of soaking in the river, of being in the river of God. Just you and God, not anybody else. There's a corporate aspect when you do it with other people, you know, big party, and you touch, you know, you're helping each other. But then there's that personal thing where you can get in there and God begins to talk to you. So I, I saw that river, so I, got, I was in it, man, and immediately the Lord spoke to me. And He said something to this effect. Is I want to... Actually, this is basically what he said. I want to make you a better preacher and teacher. That's what he said to me. In other words, I want to promote you. I want to enlarge your gifting. And I was thinking, this, you know how you are, people are stupid, you know. I'm, well, Lord, you know, I sort of gave up on that a long time ago. You know, I don't even really like to preach that much, Lord. I, I dread having to do it most of the time. I would really just go to church and enjoy myself instead of having to do all this. And so really that's not that important to me. But I want to do that for you. And immediately I saw these angels come and they were swirling around my head, the best I can describe it. And they were messing with my head. They were swirling around like, you know, just like they were all messing with my head, like these people working on my head, doing things to my head. You know, that's what it felt like. These, and, I, and I knew they were doing something to me. I knew there was something happening to me at that moment. That God was doing something to me that was real. Now, it may not be real to you. You may think it's crazy. And I may be crazy. If I'm crazy, I'm happy crazy. You know, I'm happy to think that angels are messing with my head. <laughs> you can live in a world where angels don't exist, but that's your problem. I live in a world where they live, where they're real. I see them. They just knocked that tree over. Let us know. Yeah, there you go. So, I started thinking about Psalm 45. That God wants to fill us with something that's so alive and so fresh and so real. It ain't a matter of being a good person who can, can sit up and make a good talk, but He fills you with something that just, oh, and this is what it says. My heart is overflowing. Uh, let's move back to the message one. Because I, I read it in the I, I read it in the other one, then I read it in the message. My heart burst its banks. All right, now that's what the Lord wants to do. Banks of a river. He wants that river in you. In fact, that Bible says in John seven thirty seven, it's in you. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. It's in us. We have a river in us. We have rivers in us. And we have a riverbed. Most of us are riverbeds most of the time. And then sometimes the river flows through us. But He wants this river to flow. My heart bursts its banks, spilling beauty and goodness. That's what God wants to do. He wants to spill beauty and goodness. That's really what He's all about, man. You know, when we talk about a revival, you know what it really is? It's God's love being expressed in a refreshing way to His people. It's God's love, the spiritual awakening, poured out in the world. That's what it is. Anyways, it says, I poured out in a poem to the king, shaping the river into words. Shaping the river into words. God wants to take this real river of life and He wants to give it to us and we take that river and we turn it into words. And when we speak those words, they're not just words, they're the river in the form of a word. And it hits people. And when that river, when you get touched by that river, something happens to you. And a lot of people will testify that there are things that really happen to you. But God wants us to be able to speak it out. Some people in this room will speak river to these words and they will speak to disease and say, No! 
Can you imagine if you were dying of cancer and somebody comes and they speak a word like, No! And it's the river to say it. It's not you. And it hits that cancer and that cancer, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit and the cancer had to show down. And guess who won? Can you imagine what that would be like for that person who was dying? You know, or that person who's severely depressed. That person who is on the verge of hell for eternity. And you say, no way. Hell is not your future. Heaven is. You may need to say, it's it's time to go on, but we just changed your destination. You know, God won't... That's the river turning into words. And that's what He said to me. No, it ain't that I want to make you some good preacher or something. I want to teach you how to turn the river into words. God releases the river to, to a church. God releases the river to a people. He doesn't do it just so we can frolic. Although I'm a big frolicker. I love to frolic. I want to frolic the rest of my life. But I tell you what, I want to be able to get some words from the river. I want to, I want to take those words and speak those words out. And he was saying that to me, that I'm going to do that, but I don't think he was saying it just to me. He's saying it, I want to do it to anybody and everybody who's part of the body of Christ. Everybody. In your situation, you may be a musician. You may sing songs, river songs. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, that would people get blasted by they would worship God. You wouldn't have to get people to worship. I mean, the river, they were, it's all over them. They couldn't stand it. Or, you know, if you minister to lost people with music. Whatever your thing is, this is wonderful, isn't it, what God wants to do. Does any, do y'all believe what I'm telling you this morning? I know you do. Um, anyways, uh, let's go back to Psalm 45, verse 2 in the New King James. I'm working you hard, I know. He picked a bad day to try this. I'm experimenting. <laughs> All right, you are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. So this is the key right here. I think this is what the Lord wants to do. It's a revelation of grace. You see, Jesus had grace on his lips. When Jesus spoke, it could have been rough stuff he was saying to people. Okay? But because he had grace on his lips, it... It worked. You hear what I'm saying to you? You and I need a revelation of grace. That's what we need. We don't need an understanding of grace. Understanding is good. It comes. I bet everybody in this room has some good understanding of grace. But I don't think everybody in this room has a revelation of grace. And that's what it's going to take, a revelation of grace. That's why if you read Paul the Apostle, that's why he was, you know, he had this revelation of grace. He had a revelation of grace. We were talking about that. How were you, we were trying to figure out, where do you think, when do you think Paul got that revelation? I think when he got caught up into heaven and heard of things that were unspeakable as he saw what, what it really is, grace. And so God wants to be able to use a people because, see, you can get in the river, you can get these words formed from the river, but if you don't have grace on your lips, you're going to speak them and they could be damaging to people. You can speak the Word of God, you can speak the truth, and it tears people down. There's preachers who just tear people up all the time. And they're not lying. They're telling the truth, but they don't have grace on their lips. God wants to put grace on our lips. I mean, we really need this uh, revelation of grace. Um, let me just read this, uh, Acts 4.33. Acts 4.33. This is a good scripture. Uh, it says, With great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, 
and great grace was upon them all. Power, they were speaking something. They were speaking this resurrection. They were speaking, and there was just these words that they had this river thing going. But when they were speaking it, what was it doing to the people? It was putting grace on them. It wasn't messing them up. There was grace getting released to these people. So grace and power go together. Grace is that unmerited gift of God, but it's also the power to lay hold of all the gifts that God has for us. God wants us to walk and speak in grace. It's really important. If we're going to be Holy Spirit, revival, spiritual awakening, if we're going to be part of turning our nation around, we've got to have a revelation of grace. We've got to better work through grace to do it or it's not going to work. It's really, it won't work. It's, it just won't work, period. And you can say rough stuff to people, and if you have grace on your lips, they're going to take it because it ain't going to come. It may feel rough to them. It may, be hurt. it may hurt them. It may feel pain to them. But there's this grace that says, yeah, there's that hurt, there's that discipline, there's that pain, but there's this power coming with it to help you through it, to get you healed, to get you delivered, to get you over it, get you re to repent. Well, here's what the Lord was, was showing me this week. Uh, we can do Isaiah 6. Let's put that up there, Isaiah 6. It's something practical, okay? And, and it has to do with criticism, and so I was watching this uh, preacher on television. He was preaching on forgiveness, total forgiveness. Everybody, R.T. Kendall, right? Y'all remember that message? I preached it a couple years ago. I shamelessly stole his message. And such a wonderful message. And he wrote a book called Total Forgiveness. Well, he was preaching this message, Total Forgiveness. And as I was listening to him, I was asking the Lord, Well, Lord, I don't think there's anybody, I don't I have anybody that I know of that I'm consciously aware of that I have un any unforgiveness towards, period. I'm good. But just in case I do and I don't know it, please reveal it to me. That was what I asked him. So two days later, I was sitting there, and the Lord reminded me of this person who 25 years ago, this lady that was, we, were, we were good friends with, who was really this tremendous person in the church, and got offended in the church and just, you know, left the church and, you know, treated, started treating people badly, real cold. We were friends with these people. We loved these people. We looked up to this woman. She was a powerful woman. And, you know, we fell, went over to her house and had fellowship and friendship with, and she turned against us in a sense. She was never mean, you know, turned against me on a personal level, but she got cold and indifferent and distant and just pushed me away, pushed us away. And the Lord showed me that I had criticized that woman. I had already, I wasn't, it wasn't a forgiveness issue, but there was a criticism in my heart towards her. He revealed that to me sitting there, that you've, you've, got, you've got a critical heart towards that woman to this day. I hadn't thought about that woman in 10 years. And he showed me deep down in my heart there was criticism towards this person. And he began to really speak to me about we're critical people that we're critical. We criticize people all the time. That's our norm. That's how we function. We see somebody that we don't like. It's like Becky was saying, when we was over down in Eckers a couple weeks ago, and this woman come walking by the car, and she was kind of a messed up woman, you know, smoking and looking ragged and, you know, not the... And we had, had this, like, how do you not criticize that? 
And it really exposed the heart. Because God is not looking at these people like that and criticizing them. It's us and the devil that's criticizing them. And the Lord was saying, you've got to stop being critical. I don't like criticism. That's what he was telling me. Byron, you have for 25 years had a criticism in your heart against this woman. And it's hid inside of you, but it's in there. And you need to get it out. You need to repent. Because I don't like it. And if you're going to be this wonderful preacher of the river words, there can't be criticism in there. Because the river ain't criticism. The river's life. It's joy. It's peace. It's love. It's care. It may be disciplinary, but it's not criticism. Anyway, this is what happened to old Uzziah. He said in the year that King... Everybody knows this, but I'm just going to read it for the heck of it. Because this is what the Lord wants to do this morning. He wants to deal with criticism. He wants us to repent from being critical. That's what he wants to do. He wants us to repent from being critical. He wants us to confess our criticism to him. And he wants us to, to, to repent from it. And ask him, Lord, I am naturally critical. I'm a human being. I'm just with the rest of the crowd. But that's not acceptable. So I'm going to be critical, but I'm going to repent. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me, and I'm going to ask you to teach me how to not be critical so I can walk in a purity of my mouth. But he said, I saw the Lord on the throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. That was what King Uzziah, he was getting a revelation. Well, and that was like what Isaiah, that's a King Uzziah. But we don't need to go in all that part. That's a lot to that. And it stood seraphims. Above it stood seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. So, let me just say this. For all you who don't like, when people talk about angels and lights and this and visitations, this guy, it was, you can hate him with everybody else. Because he was seeing this crazy being that had all these weird wings. <laughs> Does that not sound crazy to you? Well, no, it's in the Bible. That's why we're seeing this stuff is real. When I said, Lord, forgive me for criticizing that woman, I saw a blue light come rushing towards me. I know that to be an angel of grace coming with grace because God gives grace to them when you humble yourself. There's a grace release to you. Well, you may think that's craziness. Well, think Isaiah's crazy. <laughs> I think it was kind of crazy. And these things were crying out to one another, saying, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Now, that was a glory day, wasn't it? <laughs> so I said, glory. Wrong. I tell you what, in that dream that when that mall was being shaken, I wasn't saying glory. I was looking for a way out. You know, I've got to get out of here. I'm going to die in here. We will die in this world system if we're not careful. That's really what the Lord was saying. In this world system, if you're stuck in this world system, when it begins to shake and fall, you're going to die in it if that's what you're stuck in. But if you see the light, and I saw the light, and it was up, and I took off running and got out. And that's just, you know, and the Lord doesn't take us out of the world. I'm not saying that. But He wants us out where we don't trust the world system. You know, like that old saying, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. People have said that to me all my life. 
I don't, I never wanted y'all to take it out anyway. I was happy with it. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. But the world, God wants to take the world out of us. He doesn't want to take us out of the world, but He wants to get the world out of us. Yeah, so, I'm, woe is me, for I am undone. And this is what He said, because I am a man of unclean lips. I'm a man of unclean. Now, we're talking about revival here. We're talking about revival. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a criticizing man. Not when I'm, it, he ain't just talking about cussing. I mean, you may be cussing, and that may be something you need to deal with. I'm talking about being critical. I think the, that's a much worse deal. You know, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of uncle- people of unclean lips. And that's really what the Lord wants to do. He wants to deal with our lips this morning. He didn't want unclean lips. He wants lips like Psalm 45. Grace is upon your lips. So whatever you say, that the words you say, there's grace imparted to people. And I dwell in the midst of a people who for the eyes, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And I don't think we put the rest of it, but that's all right. Now, he just took that coal, everybody knows it, and sets it on this guy's lips, on Isaiah's lips, and cleansed his lips. And then the Bible tells us, after that, he heard a conversation. Right? Isn't that what it says? He heard this conversation. And the conversation was like, we got a, we got a mission. We got something to do. Who are we going to get to go for us? And he said, here I am, Lord, send me. Now notice what happened. It's, just, it's significant. Yeah, and he touched his mouth, my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Keep, can you keep going, Eric? <laughs> Sorry. On the fly. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. You see, the, the, you see what I'm saying to you? You see what I'm saying to you? You see what the Lord's saying today on the anniversary of the guy standing on the shores of Jamestown saying, we dedicate this, this nation to the gospel. It's the gospel for the kingdom. This country's dedicated. And how our country's gone downhill. And how we need the Lord to come and touch our mouths. And just, this is just one thing. To deal with the criticism in our mouth towards each other, towards the world, towards whatever. And then the Lord can say, I'm looking for some people to go. I'm looking for some people to go. Can I find some people who want to go? That's really what he's saying this morning to us. I'm just looking for somebody. And I'm not talking about somebody to do a short-term mission trip. That may be part of it. I'm talking about really when God really speaks to your heart and says, I'm going to put something on you. I'm going to put, I'm going to cleanse, I'm going to let the fire come on your mouth. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to say, you want to go and do something? You want to go and speak for me? You want to go and say some words that could change, turn people's lives around, change nations or whatever it may be for you? I mean, that, that's going to all be between you and God. I'm just saying God wants to do that. That's really what He wants to do. It sounds preposterous. It sounds crazy to think that we could do that. But I think the criticism is the one thing that's holding a lot of you back. You've got critical mouths. And the Lord's saying, I'm willing, if you're willing to repent. The word that you got was, tell me that word one more time. 
The fire is getting ready to fall on humility. You got that? The fire is getting ready. Isaiah, that was Isaiah, that's Isaiah 6 right there I just read. Oh, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live in an unclean world. Oh, good, Isaiah. You've recognized the truth about yourself. Now, let me put my fire on you. And give you some, you know, that fire brings the grace. Let me just read this one last scripture to you. Are y'all good this morning? See, I didn't make this up. (laughs) I mean, I didn't make it up really, but it's in the Bible. Ephesians 4.29. This is what the Bible says. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. let's, Let's call corrupt criticism, critical. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. That's what the Lord wants us to do. That's what He's called each one of us to do. Now, that takes the Holy Spirit. That's not a human thing. We can't do that humanly. We ain't talking about human. We're talking about Holy Spirit this morning. We're talking about how the Holy Spirit wants to use us this morning. We're talking about God's been bringing the river, God's been bringing revival, and it's going somewhere. That's what we're talking about. It's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. Everybody say it's going somewhere. If you study Ezekiel's river in the Bible... Guess what? The further it got away from the temple, the deeper it got. It didn't, it didn't stay real deep in the temple. It wasn't meant to. That was just a, as somebody said to me, said, you know what, really? The revelation is here, but I can take it wherever I want to go. I've got, it gets in me. Interesting. So I'm going to ask you this morning about your mouth. Does anybody want to repent this morning from being critical? I'm serious. Now, we need to get real with God. And I can tell you this right now. I guarantee you this. Everybody in this room has been critical. I'm telling you, you've said things you shouldn't have said that God didn't like. And He's asking us this morning to repent. And He also wants to, you know, bring fire on us, I think. I think God really wants to do it. I'm convinced that God has put a calling on us for this nation and for other nations. I'm really convinced. I'm insanably and crazily convinced of it the more I think about it. In fact, I'm so convinced that it keeps me messed up half the time because I'm trying to figure out how to do it instead of letting the Lord do it. So, yeah. Why don't we just all stand up together? Thank you, Lord. Just stand before the Lord right now. and Let's just take a minute and ask the Lord if He shows you anything in your heart where you've had criticism or judgment. I mean, there's probably a lot. There's probably a list. <laughs> but um, Isaiah 58 says that the pointing of the finger actually puts a yoke on us. And... That yoke is, you know, you've seen oxen that are yoked with that thing where they're being controlled, where our very words start putting a control on us that's not meant to be there, binds us up. And um, and I just want to ask the Lord right now, and I just, I did this for the early service, but I just want to do it again. First, I want to ask you to forgive me, because I'm sure I've criticized those of you in this room, and I ask you to forgive me and just that the blood of Jesus would wash me clean, that I know my thoughts and words are not pure toward 
all of you. So just ask you to forgive me before the Lord. And But I know this, that it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses me. I can't cleanse myself. I can't stop myself from having critical thoughts that manifest into my words. And this is why we so desperately need the Holy Spirit because He is the enabling power that is at work within us. So, Lord, we just right now lift ourselves to You. Lord, and we ask You to bring the fire upon the altar of these hearts as we stand together as a body and ask You to cleanse us with Your blood, Lord, of the sin, Lord, of criticism, negativism, judgment, Lord, against others. Lord, we ask You to wash us clean, Lord, with Your blood and release the enabling power of God to come and free us. And we just, uh, Lord, know that as You free us, these yokes are coming off of us right now. Just break the yoke in Jesus' name. Break them. Break them in Jesus' name. Ho! These yokes that are binding our hearts right now in Jesus' name. Who? Racism. You go in the name of Jesus. You have no place here. You know, we can even get judgment on us by criticizing what the Mm -hmm. Lord's doing. Not just criticizing evil things, bad things, Mm -hmm. but we can get stuff on Mm -hmm. us when we see the Lord moving Mm -hmm. and get envy on us, jealousy on us, things like that. And the Lord really is today saying you Mm -hmm. can be free. You can be free. He is here to set us free. He came to set the captives Mm -hmm. free. Mm -hmm. Set the captives free. The Mm -hmm. only prerequisite to that Mm -hmm. that is for Mm -hmm. us to open our heart up. Mm -hmm. Just open your hearts up to receive. Marlon, would you come over here for a minute? I want you to look at Marlon's different from me, and I'm different from Marlon. And that's okay. This is an example. We need to free each other to be different. I don't think like Marlon a lot of times, and he doesn't think like me. Just like our physical appearance is different. Our cultural differences, we're different in some ways. But we need to free each other to be, just to be different. I don't have to be like him. He doesn't have to be like me. And this is where we bind each other up and put yokes on each other. We need to free and loose one another to be who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. I don't have to be like you. You don't have to be like me. We need to loose each other. Loose Marlon. He is from a different culture. He's from a different na- nation. And I just loose Marlon to be all that God's meant for him to be. He's free. He's free to be that. I'm free to be me. I'm free to me to be this little skinny girl from Rockingham from a redneck town. I'm free. I'm free to be this. That's who God made me. I'm free from that. I'm free to be what God's made me. He's made other you. You come from affluent families. And you think and move and do what you do the way you are. You're free. Free to be who you are. That is one, that's how this stuff arises. It's really racism. It's racism in every form. Every form. Because you're different. We begin to criticize. I worship the Lord different. You criticize me. I may dance, I may jump around, you may be still, I criticize you. Lord, we just right now want that lifted off of us. Yeah. 
to get it off of us, Lord. Who? Who? We just speak the freedom Freedom. of Jesus in this place. Freedom of Jesus in this place. The freedom of Jesus in this place. The freedom of Jesus in this place. Free, 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 free. Who? Free. Who? 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 Mmm. Mmm. Oh. Mm. The Lord really wants you to love who you are, who He created you to be. You know, you don't have to be like Becky. You don't have to be like Marlon. He wants you to love who you are. Love who you are. Don't love the sin that you're in. You can repent of the sin and turn away, and it'll be gone that quick. That quick if you repent of it. But love who you are. If you don't love who you are today, today's the day to begin. Love who you are. Love who you are. Let me, let's get some of the prayer team members up here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Get some music going. We're gonna let's let's just pray for each other today. Confess your sins. There's freedom in it. And come if you want to get prayed for. Get in the river. The river's flowing. It's wonderful. It's glorious. We want to get Alejandra and his wife up here and family. They are wanted to share with him to welcome them today. They are pastoring a Hispanic church in Charlotte, and they are from Chile. They know Jim and uh, Kathy well. They're friends of theirs, so let's bless them for being here. But they came to get blessed today, so let's pray for them. So you guys come on up. We want to make sure you guys get prayed for. So, amen. And we just encourage you to receive prayer today. Be free to receive prayer today. Come on up and receive today. The Lord wants to pour out, so come and receive. One more thing, just stop, stay where you are. Anne felt like we needed to have a group repentance. So um, I'm just going to pray and y'all repeat after me, okay? Well, Lord Jesus, we just ask you right now, we, have, we ask you to forgive us for criticism, judgment, negativism, Lord, we confess that as sin. And right now we ask for your blood to cover us. We trust in your blood, your work on the cross, not our own work. We trust in your finished work. And we enter in right now to that finished work. And we proclaim your liberty over our lives and over our brothers and sisters' lives. And we thank you for the joy of the Lord that comes with confession and repentance. Thank you, Lord.